Hey, welcome back to the Daily Halacha Kabbalah and Machshava podcast series. Thanks so much for subscribing and for listening. We are now starting the next section, the new section in the Shulchan Aruch, uh, section 55, Siman Nun Hey, which is the section that has to do with something called Kaddish. Uh, we're, as, as usual, we're going to be trying to dig into what's underneath the halachos, the rules, the directions, directives that we're exploring in this, the Shulchan Aruch, the book of halacha, the, the compendium of halacha, all derived from the Talmud and the structure of the Talmud, and the last 2,000 years of Talmudic study that basically gave rise over the centuries to the different practices that we have. And each of these practices is an expression, a, a clothing, a manifestation of the underlying principles of Kabbalah. The Torah has at its core the map of reality in its, in its ultimate, ineffable, un- underlying uh, structure that really defines the nature of the existence, nature of who we are, what we're here for. This particular episode is going to really kind of cut deep towards that because it's our first episode talking about Kaddish. In order to understand these halachos, these rules, these directions that are given by the Shulchan Aruch in regards to this specific area of tefillah, so we have to explain exactly what Kaddish is and why it is what it is. And so it's actually a very simple concept and it's a very but and yet as usual with the, the simpler Kabbalah concepts there they have the most profound implications. So first of all, I'm gonna assume that most of you have heard of what of Kaddish at least somewhat. Uh, even people who are not religious um, have learned about Kaddish a little bit because unfortunately uh, we've all lost people that we love and Kaddish is one of the things that a mourner recites uh, at the loss of a loved one. And so the question is like, well, what exactly is this paragraph about? It's part of the tefillah structure. It actually shows up very often. And in the morning structure, it's very, very, uh, I think it's like, it's 10 times, it's a number of times that it shows up. And the, the important thing to think, to kind of, uh, to contextualize Kaddish in our larger discussions that we've had about halacha and how to understand the, the, connection between the external practical manifestation that halacha is all the way down to the core principles that halacha is supposed to manifest is to try to understand okay so um, we have these this structure that we've been discussing we have brachos and we have suket zimra and we have birchos uh, kriyashma which is called yotzer which we started to explore a little bit at the end of the last episode and then we have shmona esrei and the kaddish seems almost like an anomaly because First of all, it's in a different language. It's in Aramaic. Second of all, it seems like it acts almost as like a transitional thing where it appears in between sections um, pretty often, not always, but definitely often appears in between um, the different, sec- like between, let's say, Pesuket Zimra and Yotzer and Birchos Kriyashma, so between stage two of Tefillah and stage three of the Tefillah structure of the morning, so we say Kaddish. And there's plenty of other examples where Kaddish serves as kind of like this in-between marker of a transition from one thing to another. So we have to kind of grasp why that is. So I think those two questions actually really are the doorway to how to think about Kaddish more broadly. And so the foundation of the answer to those two questions is a Talmudic statement, because the Kaddish is very old. It's something which is dates back to the time of the Talmud, definitely in parts of it. And the main line the Talmud says about the Kaddish is that if when when you when a person answers the main answering phrase, because Kaddish has a has a back and forth to it, where the person saying Kaddish says a few a few of the, like the initial parts, and then we answer back and we say something back. So the main thing that we say back is a phrase which is Yehesh Me Mivarach so which means that let the let let the um, great name be uh, be Mivarach. And we've, you know, the word mivorach comes from the word bracha, which we're going to explore then in a second. And le'alam ulameil mayat translates literally as um, for now and forever, for for the whole, for all of time, or for 
for each olam, for every world, and we're going to have to translate that carefully also. But what the Talmud says about that phrase is that a person who says that basically cuts and destroys all uh, divine decrees against him. Now, this, this is a good example of a situation in which you have to really explore and ask questions like, well, what do those things mean? First of all, what is a divine decree? Like, is there somebody who's just sitting upstairs watching us and decreeing things against us? And then we have to kind of try to say Yehoshmei Rabbah in a very, very intense way to cut those. I mean, will you ever know that you're cutting those decrees? Uh, is it something that you just have to hope? Well, I just got to keep on saying that with as much intensity as I can. So that way I can hopefully be cutting decrees. Uh, what exactly does this mean? And so it, it sounds very, um, it's, these are very human terms. It's kind of like if you have a king, right, who's making decrees. So you want to try to prove to him that you're that you're a loyal subject. Maybe that's how you can get out of a decree that he that he sets against you. But in the Kabbalah structure, these things are all their references, their hints, their doorways to things that are going on underneath. So the the concept, first of all, of a decree against you. So the way that we are structured, as you know, if you've been listening to the, this series for a while, or if you're listening, you've been watching the other courses on the platform is that in the current phase that we exist, what's called Olam Hazeh, so we have this tendency, a capacity for tremendous distortion, uh, slow, incremental, difficult to always see, because it's very insidious, the, the ability to distort our perceptions and see things more and more in light of what it is that we're interested in, what we find appealing or, or uninteresting, and we can build distorted perceptions around those types of ideas, those types of feelings, those types of senses of what we what we like, what we don't like. It could be a desire-based thing, it could be an emotional-based thing, but whatever the, the whatever the basis is for the distorted distortion accumulation, we build layers and layers of distortion within our perceptions, within the world of our das, our, our perceptual landscape. And so that capacity is derives from the Eitz Adas Tovara, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, literally means the tree of perceptions of what we're interested in and what we are apathetic towards. And so we have that capacity to just develop distorted perceptions. And so what happens is, as you develop more and more distortion accumulation in a particular area, so that, that that's essentially, that, that give, first of all, that gives rise to uh, thoughts and, and emotions and behaviors that are expressions of that distortion. You'll start to behave in ways that are actually actualizing the distortion perceptions that you have. And so that's what we call hate, where now you're kind of missing the mark. You have a set of ideas about reality. You think there's a certain right way to live. Oh, uh, maybe you start out thinking that there's right that the right way to live is, is X, and then you, now you think the right way to live is Y. I mean, we're looking at that right now in our societies, in Western civilization especially, that you have these tendencies towards all kinds of incredibly distorted perceptions about sexual interaction. And there's there's true things that are embedded in each distortion. Every distortion is always an expression of something true at its core, but then there's layers and layers and layers of distortions that come from people's a mixture of desires, emotional needs, loneliness, all kinds of factors that give rise to an incredibly distorted understanding of these areas. And then people start making choices based on those things, whether it's to, to cut off their genitals or to, uh, to, to try to engage in some kind of sexual conduct with somebody or something that is not really a relevant sexual partner in terms of the true purpose of what these things are for, and it just accumulates into greater and greater uh, distortions that way. So as that happens, so the the process of hate, of distortions of that nature, where you deviate from reality towards these distorted perceptions, creates essentially a, a natural backlash, what we call divine backlash, to what you're doing, because those behaviors essentially mean that now you're blocking out your awareness of Hashem's self, of your consciousness, of the true nature of reality. You're blocking out Hashem's presence in your consciousness, in your mind. You can't see things as they are. 
So it, you, it, it, you, lose, you, lose, you lose the ability to perceive the divine self that you are that's manifest through the layers of your body, of your, of your, of your thoughts, of your emotions. You, you lose the ability to actually see this, the, the patterns and the straightness in reality. So 